We want to remain in Luke chapter 2. I'll title this, Even in the Darkness, God is Always at Work. Even in the Darkness, God is Always at Work. Father, we ask that you would open this scripture to our understanding, apply it to our lives for the magnifying of your name, for the glory of your name, and we bless you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. These verses that were just read, Luke 2, verse 1 through 20, I'm sure you've heard them. Well, what's the benefit of looking at such scriptures that are so familiar? Maybe it would help us to ask the question, what is it that God wants me to see What is it that God is uh, wanting to accomplish in our lives when we read or when we study any portion of God's Word? Um, Let me just say that above everything else, we'll find God revealed, Jesus revealed, resurrected. He told his disciples that in Luke chapter 24. All this Old Testament, even that, it's all about me. It's the unveiling of God himself and his nature and what he wants to accomplish and what he wants to do in our lives. And then Paul would tell us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, another familiar passage of scripture, that the word of God has a specific assignment in our life to Teach us the faith, to correct error, to reset the direction of our lives, to train us in right living, to equip us for good works, to empower us to hope in Christ so that we may be well prepared, well equipped for whatever comes. Now, suppose tomorrow morning at 1045, And just suppose with me that all of you are employed at, there's this imaginary business that's been put five blocks away from here. It's a huge high-rise building. It's a major corporation. And all of you are employed there. And me too. And uh, the owner has called for all of us to show up at 1045 because... In the coming days, we're going to come face to face with some tough times. And so the purpose of the meeting is to show or to help all of the employees to be equipped. All right, we have our assignment. We'll be at Acme Corporation, 1045 tomorrow morning. Oh, we might not be. I don't know if I'll show up or not. I may not be on time. Certainly not going to take any notes. If there are any handouts, I'll leave them behind. You say, no, no, I wouldn't do that. I would show up. I'd be on time. I'd take notes. I'd uh, receive any 
uh, handouts and I would maybe, maybe even linger behind and ask some questions. Well, when it comes to the kingdom of God, we act quite differently, don't us? It's just not as important. We may or may not show up. We may or may not show up on time. And if we do, we're certainly not going to take any notes. And if there's handout things, we'll, they'll get slid away. And I'm guilty too. So we're going to study a portion of God's word this morning. What does God have for us? Revelation of himself is always the main thing. There's going to be instruction, correction, maybe some rebuke, maybe some equipping. And also in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, we learn that the word of God is given to us to encourage us. To give us hope. Now with that in mind, we're ready for Luke chapter 2. And once again, the first five verses read this way. And what is God trying to show us? It looks rather mundane, doesn't it? It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And the taxing was first made when Serenus the governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up with from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was a house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. So, what's beneath the surface here that is utterly astounding and that you and I should be very excited about for our own lives? God providentially, sovereignly, was at work. He's that way through all the issues of life. Micah 5.2 had prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. The religious leaders of that day knew that, but they didn't care. Well, there's a problem. Mary and Joseph don't live in Bethlehem. They live in Nazareth. But at the right time, the sovereign God of the universe moved the mind and heart of the most powerful man on earth at that time, Caesar, to decree a tax. And that tax required Mary and Joseph to come to Bethlehem just in time for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. What's the chance of that? That's not chance. The sovereign God of the universe plans and ordains even small things. And not just for Joseph and Mary and all of us who benefit from that, but in our lives today. God is always at work. He's moving people and, event, and events for his good purpose, for his glory, and for our good. Yes. And none can stop him. 
Psalm 135, 6, whatsoever the Lord has pleased, that he did in heaven and in earth, in the seas and the deep places. Proverbs 21, 1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and the rivers of the water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. Did you see the news today? The news today, what they're doing, what they're doing? Now, you and, my, you and I do not understand this. I don't. Maybe you do. But when I see some of the things they do, I don't understand what, why. They think they know why they're doing it. But I can tell you, according to the word of God, there's a sovereign hand of God moving events in history. They're not loose molecules going around outside of the realm of God's control. If they are, we're in trouble. At the birth of Christ, God synchronized. Growing up on the radio, I heard Amos and Andy, and I, I got this word from them, and it just won't leave me. God simonized. <laughs> he synchronized. He brought together the events, the taxing, the place to be taxed, the time of Mary's delivery. God's always at work. He has good purposes, even in the unwelcome circumstances of life. Have you ever cried out, why God? Where are you when I need you? You surely could have arranged, fill in the blank. And surely God could have arranged for Mary to have a room. No matter how many people had come to, to uh, Bethlehem that night. God could have arranged for Mary to have the best room. He's God. But he didn't. He just doesn't do things the way we think he should. God's will was that through Christ... And that although Christ was rich, he would become poor for our sake. The no vacancy sign in Bethlehem was for our sake. Him condescending to be identified with the poorest of the poor is for our sake. The king of kings and the lord of lords in the womb of a peasant woman for our sake. The creator of the universe, a babe laid in a trough for the feeding of animals for our sake. He emptied himself. He humbled himself. He never ceased to be God, but he became a man for our sake. Isn't that what First, Second Corinthians 5, 9 says? For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor that through his poverty we might be rich and all of us here understand we know the whole story the no vacancy sign was just the beginning the path that Jesus would walk for sinners led to 30 years of Shame. He was looked upon as 
something that's not looked upon as a matter of shame today, and, and the child is not to blame. But there have been eras of time when you were, in the King James word, a bastard, an illegitimate, great shame. And Jesus faced that. We're not born of fornication, the fine, upstanding religious leaders like to say. On to the spitting, the shame, the scoffing, the beatings, the crown of thorns, on to the cross. But to top it all off, while on the cross, the wrath that we deserved was laid on him. Where is God when you need him? Where is God when all the unwelcome circumstances of life come? The trials, the troubles, the tribulations, the COVID, the cancer, the financial ruin, the loss of freedom. It's not a new thing. And we have to remember that God is always at work to transform us more and more into the image of Christ. Don't be surprised if one day at the roll call of heaven there are some people there and God began to break in on their heart because they were watching you deal with your unwelcome circumstances of life. They saw your responses during trials and troubles and tribulations. They, they saw you draw upon the grace of God and and as it were, to make, to live your life according to the Apostle Paul's confession in Philippians 1.12. All the things that have happened to me have happened for the furtherance of the gospel. End of story. I have a long list of whys, God. No, Lord, I don't have them anymore. Because I know the ultimate answer. And if you answered all my long lists when, I, when you got through explaining why you did this and didn't do this, I wouldn't understand because your ways are not my ways. Your ways are higher than my ways. But the thing that is most important about it all, you have told me through the Apostle Paul. All the things that have happened to me have happened for the furtherance of the gospel. God willed. God permitted all that stuff that gets on our plate. If for nothing else, for the gospel's sake. I'll read you a letter. This morning I got a call to go get some blood work. My dear wife drove me. Last week, the nurse said the needle bent as she was trying to get it, get the IV in, as the amount of inflammation is so great. Today, another nurse, seeing my hands and arms bruised and, and purple, did not want to give me an injection, afraid that she would cause more pain. But she had just received a new instrument to help find my veins, and in no time, it was in, and the blood was taken, but God. And from there, I was sent for some scans, and they were painful, and I'm in pain in the slightest 
pressure on me hurts. In between the pain ebbing and flowing and nauseating, I got to share with the technician about the difference between religion and relationship and about sin and about a dog returning to its vomit, about forgiveness. It's quite amazing as I thought back on it. I also got to share with a medical professional as well as to how the Lord circumstances our lives and gives us favor and opportunities. I thought of Paul's words and was thankful and encouraged and glad. Brothers, I want you to know that my circumstances have worked out for the furtherance of the gospel. Whatever your circumstances, know that they are opportunities for the furtherance of the gospel. Be thankful to him. And thankful to him that the gospel is going forward because you're in those circumstances. I'm due to fly next week to, to a hospital regarding my disease. Could there be a higher purpose? How about Philippians 1.12, my circumstance working out to further the gospel. We'd appreciate your prayers for favor and for eternal fruit. Some of you know that's Aiden. That's a letter from Aiden McKenzie. Now here's what you don't realize. This letter was sent in 2017. And there have been a lot of letters like that before 2017. And there have been many letters like that even to this day, five years later. They all read similar. In your world, is there something or someone that's hard to deal with, hard to bear? It didn't surprise God. He ordered it. He let it. It could be consequences. Because we're Christians, we don't escape sowing and reaping. Sometimes we just need to look life in the face, and I'm, I'm experiencing consequences. God's love doesn't lessen. God could have stopped it. He can stop with consequences. But God didn't stop any of the hard circumstances for Mary and Joseph and for many situations in your life and mine. And, and that there's much that we don't know and much that we don't understand, and, and that's okay when we hang our hat on Philippians 1.12. All these things have happened for the furtherance of the gospel. All these people in my life, for the, oh Lord, would you change them? All these people in my life for the furtherance of the gospel. Some of you will recognize this from a pastor years back, not a lot of years back, but I believe he's with the Lord now, but he wrote a little book that I love called Thank You Therapy. It's not a psychology book, it's full of Truth from the Word of God, exalting the sovereignty of God in circumstances. 
and thanking God in the midst. But he has this statement. When life tumbles in, here's what we need to see. Infinite wisdom and unchanging love has conspired with almighty, almighty power to cause something, to allow something that is for your good and for his glory. Don't nurse your wounds. Don't be mad at God. Don't be mad at the pallbearers. Those are the people and circumstances that God has put along to carry you along. Don't try to understand. Except do understand this. All the things that have hap are happening to me are for the furtherance of the gospel. God is always at work. Sovereign God has good and grand purposes in all the unwelcome circumstances of life. Not just for Joseph and Mary in Luke 2, verse 1 and 5. Now we'll pick out one focus here in chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. And so it was that when they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered and she brought forth her firstborn, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be upon to all people, not just to Jews. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Fear not, a Savior is born. In a world where there are so few certainties, where your health can be failing, your job is gone, your family's in trouble, your friends have betrayed you, the list can be endless of things that cause you to fear. Where is stability? Where is hope? Fear not. A Savior is born. Let nothing overshadow the grand reality that a Savior has come. He didn't come to take away all these problems that we've been talking about. He came to deal with one problem, the greatest problem of all. At the end of the day, the only problem that really matters. You and I have a sin problem and we are worthy of hell. There's one problem far greater than all the others and Jesus is the solution to that problem. We have a problem, succinctly put together in Ephesians 2, 1, 2, and 3, explaining the nature of our deadness and our love to sin and our love of a world of sin and being under the wrath of God. It's a problem. There's no solution. What a horrible condition. And every lost person has all of that. And every Christian had all of that. So there's no room for pride. 
but a Savior is born. Guess what? That most important, there's nothing that comes close, that most important announcement, a Savior is born. There's a thousand million voices and efforts to drown that out. To make it something over on the side. Oh, yes, we believe in that. Of course, the Savior was born. But we don't feel that and we don't act upon it in the way that the angels did. A Savior is born. And in verses 11 through 14, we get more into... The angels, they are great multitude and they are praising God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And so, there's a secret in a world full of sadness. There's a secret. The secret of joy. The Savior, He's the Savior from the penalty of sin. He's the Savior from the power of sin. He's the Savior to take away the slavery to selfishness and sinning and Satan. He's the Savior from insignificance. Oh, most of us from time to time look in the mirror. Are we sitting thinking, I'm so, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, I'm just insignificant. You want me to cheer you up? You are. <laughs> I think it was A.W. Tozier called prideful men, prideful men and women, mere animated toothpicks. A little bit of an epitome of insignificance. And yet we were created for something far more. And in Christ, we have abundant significance. For we're forgiven. We're loved. We're heaven bound. We're soldiers for Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. No thanks. I'm happy just to be, if you save me from the terrorists, save my economy, keep me from cancer and COVID, tsunamis, hurricanes, give me a big holiday, you know, all the practical stuff. But wait, what's all the fuss about? What's, why are all these angels so excited? They're so excited. Why? Why? They say, unto you is born a Savior. What an announcement. What an amazing word. Unto them was never born a Savior. Their kind who failed, who sinned, who rebelled, have no Savior. For God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them to chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. 2 Peter 2, 4. But for fallen humans, 
a Savior to bridge the unbridgeable gap. There is an unbridgeable gap between God and sinners. And sinning angels don't have a bridge. But they are so excited to say and to announce to the shepherds, You have a bridge! Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. He is the only Savior, bringing the joy of sins forgiven, the joy of names written down in heaven, bringing peace with God, controversy with God over. So I, I don't have a controversy with God. He has one with you. He had one with me. As Romans 8 says, you know what our problem is? Not one in a million will admit this. We naturally hate God. Oh, I don't believe that. I don't hate God. Of course you do. If you love me, keep my commandments. We've all hated God. We will not have this man to rule over us. We'll go our own way. Uh, We're happy to have Jesus along to help us out for what we want. Unto you, sinners... Justly under the wrath of God, due to be paid out in hell for all eternity, unto you this day is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. Flee to him if you've never come to him. If you're in Christ today, be absolutely astounded. Get alone with God and say, oh, Lord God, I'm so weak on the joy and the excitement that the angels had. Here's not how to help it. You don't need to go to some high-powered megachurch that's spending millions of dollars having all kinds of extravaganza to affect your emotions. You need to go to the word of God and let the truth transform you. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. We need to get into the word of God and ask the Holy Spirit to anoint our minds and hearts and to clear out all the trash and to say, oh, Lord God, you are worthy. Don't wait for your feelings to change. Just he's worthy. Start praising him. Start worshiping him. God will work an adjustment on your feelings. God's always worthy. Now, these, these, uh, there's much in this chapter we can't deal with. But we've dealt with enough to stir us up a little bit. Not with emotions, but with the truth of God's word. To leave from here knowing that I may spend the rest of my life with even worse unwelcome circumstances. But a Savior is born. Fear not. And I may not understand anything else, but this I know. 
If it got on my plate, it's got God's name on it as a sender. It could not have gotten through his screen without him signing off on it. And so I know this is for his glory and for my good. And all these things happen to me. God is wanting to further the gospel. I may not see it till, till heaven. And someone says, I saw you. I would have cursed God. I had been cursing God. I had been hating God. I didn't believe in God, but I saw you. I witnessed you. Worshiping Jesus through the storm. Through the tears. You didn't win every battle. But you kept coming back to worship God. To praise him. To thank him. The pain got worse. And you kept holding on. Worshiping him. Encouraging others to worship him. Just like our dear friend, Aiden. I remember when he would come to this building as a retired professional soccer player. Not large frame, but he was just meat and bones, healthy, muscle, uh, excellent health. Loved Jesus back then. He loves him now. He can hardly get about. He spent many, 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 many days and sometimes months at a time in bed. But he's still got his cell phone. And he's going to tell somebody about Jesus. And to say, but God. And to say, wonder how God's going to work this to further his glory. But I'm going to be in his hands. I'm going to be available. The secret to joy and peace in a troubled world. Jesus the Savior who bridged the unbridgeable gap when he went to the cross for us. Our Father, we thank you and praise you for your amazing love and grace, for forgiveness, for your love, for being heaven-bound, for being made a soldier of the cross, an ambassador for Christ. And even like those shepherds, we must go and tell what we've seen, what we've witnessed, what we've heard. May we go out from this place in these days. No matter what month it is, no matter what the world is celebrating, we're focused on Christ. The good news of the gospel, a Savior is born. The greatest need I ever had was to have my sins forgiven. I had a debt I could not pay, and Jesus came and paid the debt he did not owe. Unto us is born this day. We can't pray like the angels. Unto you we can bring it home in astounding wonder. Unto us 
is born this day in the city of David a Savior, Christ the Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.